on the very first day of the year, 2020, we were here at 11 o'clock, and we worshiped. And we talked about predictions. So you guys have all this prediction down now. Uh, what were some of the predictions we talked about? Well, the world, the secular world, is predicting that the economy is going to be still good. Interest rate is going to go down. That's going to lead us to a certain action for some of you. They say the color is going to be uh, yellow and forest green and possibly green is in. I just bought a black car. Big mistake. I should have got a yellow car. <laughs> they say jumpsuit is back in. Uh, I haven't seen a jumpsuit for a long time, but uh, before you know, some people are going to wear jumpsuit. You know, that's going to be pretty interesting. But there are many other predictions that we talked about. But what we tried to convey that day was that God has predictions too, you know. And that prediction is not like whether it's going to happen or not going to happen. That's a prediction that is going to happen, which is a promise. It's more than just prediction. It's a promise that is yet to come. And also it is a promise that definitely is going to happen. God's promise, God's prediction, God's prophecy is that he will continue to be a way maker. He will continue to be a miracle worker. Do you believe in that? He will continue to be the promise keeper, and he will continue to light the shine in the darkness. That's what we, are, we need to believe, and that's more than prediction, and that's the promise. And as we move forward with 19, 19, 2020, we need to remember, we have to remember, God never stops working for us. That's all you need to go on to begin a new year. So happy new year to you once again. Now, in order for us to move on with the new year, we need to deal with something. And that's from Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. We need to be able to forget the former things. See, that's our job. We need to forget it because God has already forgiven us. We have already been forgiven, but sometimes some of us have a travel, travel forgetting the past. Forget the former things and do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. That's a promise. That's a prediction. Not something that's going to happen or not happen. It's a promise that is going to happen as long as you tune in with our Lord. So we want to do new things. We want to get involved with the new things. We want to get on with the new things. Now, you and I know we can do this, right? I know you, you believe you can do this. And the moment you step out, it says, oh, I'm not so sure. That's what happens to our human minds. But I'm here, and God is here to really encourage you. You know, the moment you step out, the moment you get in the car, the moment you have first some friction and conflict with uh, uh, anything that happens, we can continue to move on. And here's the one problem that we have. When we try to move on, this is what we end up doing. In an effort to do new things, we focus either on outside or just self. What I mean by is this. Outside meaning that when we try to do new things, we look for something outside of our friends. Oh, yeah, maybe if I go to that company, it might be better. If I change my, my job, it would be better. If I change my family, it would be better. If I change 
church and my whatever, it's going to be better. It's like everything, the other side of fence looks good. That's how we think. I don't think you will ever see in the Bible referring to something like that, but that's how we ever see. A lot of times people, uh, secular people, kind of consult us, advise us, change your job. Maybe good, maybe good advice, but you've got to look at it in the context of what God is teaching us. The other thing is we focus on self. It's all about I'm going to work hard for me, for my success, for your students, for my grades. It's all about me, me, me. Do you think you can really forget the past and move forward with that kind of attitude? If you say, well, that's uh, the way the whole world is operating, and give me a break, but you're talking church stuff, gut stuff. No, I'm not. So I know most of us are working in a business or the workplace or you have a job. Let me tell you something about what executives of the world are saying. They say, make an impact. You have to make an impact if you want to move forward. So recently, Inc. Magazine, anybody familiar with Inc. Magazine? Other than Luke, <laughs> the back. Inc. Magazine is read by mostly the, the executives and managers of the companies. And they put out these surveys and discussions and interviews about how to make an impact, how you can succeed in business, how you can succeed in workplaces. Basically, it says to succeed, you've got to make an impact, and you will be so surprised as to what they really say as to how to make an impact. You need to make an impact, but that impact has to be what? Focus on others. Did you get that? I wasn't talking about Bible, okay? This is Inc. Magazine, the get executives of our Fortune 500 companies throughout the country. So let me give you, they gave us 10 advices as to how to make an impact to others. First one, be an initiator. You initiate something, come up with an idea or concept, and be a trailblazer in incorporating, doing something with it. Not for yourself, but for others. Whatever idea you come up with at workplace, better be for others, better be for the company, co-workers, not for yourself. Most people, when they come up with the idea, it's all about themselves. They say, well, I don't do that. Surely? Really? I had an experience. While back, one of my project managers, who is very talented, wanted the company to provide more company car. See, I got, we have one company car. Oh, by the way, some of you may not know, I'm a lay pastor. And the other times, I'm on the other side. Uh, I'm also running an engineering and architecture design firm. So he wanted to, uh, for company to provide uh, them with a couple more company cards instead of just one because it's always being used. And uh, his, for some reason, we, when you, they use your personal card, reimburse them pretty well. It's by federal standard. If you, for example, 
If you drive back and forth to Washington, D.C., that's roughly about 300 miles. And the federal government says if you use a personal car, you've got to pay 55 cents per mile. That's like over $150 you can pay back. That's a pretty good deal. And most of the people in our company would rather have that than use a company car because it helps them to offset some of the mortgages and wear and tear. But for some reason, he likes to use company car. So when he requested, I declined. Then he came back and made an appeal to me. Why can't you not provide more company car? It's not going to cost company any more money because the, the reimbursement company can charge the clients. It's not going to cost company anymore. So why don't you get some more company cars? I said, that's a great idea. He, on the other hand, he, well, actually, he was really pushing. He's trailblazing. He's initiating. Well, at least that's what he thought. So every, after hearing what he had to say, I told him, I would be glad to buy a few more company cars with the condition that if you would agree to maintain the car for changing oil, getting inspection, washing both inside and outside, rotating tires, I would be more than glad if you agreed to that to buy more cars. He then refuted, saying, do I have to do that? I responded, you don't have to do it. If you don't do it, who's going to do it? Accounting group? IT guy? Me? Other people in the office? Who do you expect to do all this? Oh, by the way, you know that one company car that we have now? Guess who's doing all this maintenance, taking the inspections and rotating tires and all that kind of stuff? Guess who's doing it? It's your vice president of finance. Janice is doing it. He was quiet. Then I continued. It's okay if you don't do it. Do them. But I will buy more cars company cars, if you are willing to manage and coordinate with the other users of the car as long as you make sure the needed maintenance are done. Well, the answer was that he didn't want to bother with it. So he walked away. He had a good idea, but it was not for others, but it was for himself. You see, the management can see that right through. Really? Well, think about you as a parent. Parents see the motives of your children right away. Hey, are you listening, children? If you have a motive for yourself, whole world, the parents, even your brother and sister, they know it's, not, it's for yourself, not for others. And because he didn't want to take it on for others, the new thing did not happen. Second thing, he says, keep people informed, the executive says. That was kind of interesting, but that's one of our company core value. When you let others to know what is going on, they don't have to chase after you. That's helping others in the workplace. Third, be the go-to person. Sometimes 
Other people can depend on you. Someone else can count on you. That's helping other people. Four, become a forecaster. Get to know what is going on and focus on, not focus on the problems of the situation company, but focus on tomorrow's solution for other people in, uh, in the office. Five, have a confidence to speak up, not just for yourself, for other people in the office. Six, do things without asking. That is probably one of the most difficult things to do. Most people say, I do whatever I was told. My job description says this, this, this. Well, I'll tell you what. The real job description, and according to executives, is not what's on your job description. Because what is not on your job description is really doing something for others. And be a good listener. Well, obviously, that goes without saying. If you listen to others, you're helping the other person. But we love to... Yep, 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 yep. Keep going. Eight, go the extra mile. I was like so excited, but this is one of the second, the core values of our mission statement of our, our company. Go to extra mile. If you do whatever you're told to do, that's not an excellent extra mile. If you do your job with an excellence, that's not an extra mile. You're required to do, do that. That's core of duty. But if you go beyond what was asked, that's the extra mile. When you go beyond extra mile, you'll end up helping others. That's the only way, that's the definition of extra mile, helping the others. Nine, positive attitude. That's helping others, you just say positive attitude. 10, take the lead. Lead others, help others. That's how you make impact in business and workplace. So everybody ready to go out beginning next Monday, tomorrow, and make an impact helping others in your organizations? That's how you make an impact in other places, in business, in workplaces. Yes, that's business talk, as explained by top executives of our country. I color three things. And orange colors because that's that are our company's three core values. We nail that. When you join our company, when you make a mistake, we go over three. Did you go extra mile? Did you return the call on the same day? Did you inform? Oh, I forgot one of those. That's why we got this problem. That's why you didn't help the other person. Let's go, change, let's do something. Now, God. Our God has the same message. Our God says to make an impact also. If you want to grow, if you want to be found favor in his eyes, if you want his blessings, and if you want to start something new with God this year, God wants us to make an impact before others. So here is our scripture for today, Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That light this scripture is talking about 
It's not candlestick you're holding. It's not the flashlight you're holding. It's Jesus Christ, the light of Jesus Christ, the essence of Jesus Christ. It's the grace, the light of grace that he's talking about. We, as believers, have received the light. So therefore, our role, job, is to shine that where? Before others. And you know what we call that? We call that the big word that you have heard before, but you have trouble articulating the definition of it. We call that the great commission. Our purpose for making an impact is to fulfill the God's command of the great commission. Matthew 28 from verse 19, 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. You know how comforting this is? This isn't just God commanding us to do something. It's that God's going to be with us until the end of the age. Until we're together in heaven. Until we're here. So our mission to make an impact is to fulfill the great commission. So how do we make that impact? How do we do that? How do we go and make disciples? How do we baptize them? How do we teach them to obey? So our scripture today clearly defines that. It says to shine for the great commission. Let your light shine before others. It's a before others. We to, tend to forget that portion of it. Oh, I'm just going to continue to just to worship God. I'm just going to endorse him. I'm just going to abide by him. I'm just going to keep in my heart. It's, that's when you, you do that when you already receive the heart light. But once we have the light, we are to shine before others. Shine what? The light. The light that which is Christ himself. And we are to make that light shine, what? Through us. Not telling, hey God, there's a guy I know. Can you shine your light onto him or? It's our role to shine the light onto that person. How do we do that? Illuminate from our body. Emanate that which is embodied in our hearts, our bodies, the wisdom and knowledge that we have gained. And to grow in, in, in with the smiles and just gentleness, the, all the fruits of the Spirit. So where do we shine? Not for ourselves, before others, says the Lord. So other people can see what? They can see the good deeds. Remember what Christ says before he was, uh, a few days before being crucified? Love your neighbor as yourself. That's good deed. 
Love your neighbor as yourself, meaning sacrifice for others. Not just simple kindness. We talked about it. Non-believers, they are very kind. They know how to show generosity and the kindness. But on top of sacrifice and goodness, our role is to sacrifice for them. Love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself meaning sacrifice for others. So they can see you glorify him. So that they know that we truly believe in the God of heavens. And why? Do you know what we call that act of carrying out the Great Commission? The act of shining the light before others? Do we know what we call that? We call that evangelism. That's what evangelism is. Shining before others. Shining the light. Shining the grace. Shining the essence of Lord Jesus Christ before man is called evangelism. Don't think of it as something really big word or big jargon, Christian jargon. It's just simple. It's just shining light before others. So we were finishing up our series. It was a long series. Last year, it's almost, I looked it up, almost five, six months on the topic or the series called Growing in Grace. I think we had a great uh, series on that. And they were discussing as to what would what should be our next series? I don't know what it's going to be, one month series or two months or maybe five, six months. And, uh, and we were gathered together. We were just uh, talking about it. Just someone mentioned one word, evangelism. Might be an awesome thing to do uh, after the great growing grace. And initially, we thought the title of evangelism or the Great Commission may be a little bit too heavy for some people. Maybe it's, some people may see that as a, a, a Christian jargon. So we decided to make it making an impact. That's what it is. Evangelism is making an impact. So we said, okay, how would you describe evangelism with a verb? What's evangelism? Uh, 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 you know, it's like a baptized. What's the verb? It's about doing outreach. It's about extending the love of God. It's teaching about grace. It's making an impact. It's the shining before others. That's what evangelism is. So we decided to pick on that phrase, making an impact, to be our new series for this few months. So what are we making impact for? We're making an impact for Christ Jesus, the gospel, the grace, and the light. And that needs to be impacted. How we preach, we teach in a small groups or on a one-on-one -on -one basis, we show with our body, we shine with our smiles, with our face. Of course, and we baptize. That's how we incorporate making an impact. And how do we show and shine? 
It can show by loving, by caring, by forgiving, being honest, and showing integrity, and bearing all the fruits of the Spirit. The lot of fruits, the patience, kindness, the lovingness, self-control, all those things. When we do those things, we make an impact. Of course, we make a mistake. You know, quickly go around and say, I made a fool of myself. That's helping others. That's making an impact. So everything is summed up to this. Bible says, everything in the Bible is just summed up. What? I have told this like a thousand times. Everything summed up to love your neighbor as yourself. All right? It's about others. So evangelism, the entire context of evangelism is summed up to this Bible verse we just talked about. Matthew 5, 16. I want you to remember this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what we are called to do. And when you do this, boy, you can sleep well every night. And as we begin this new year, let's shine. Let's shine. Let's shine like the light before our brothers and sisters. Let the light, let his grace, let his goodness shine at our family, at our church, our workplace, and wherever we go and experience new things that our God is going to do in your life this year and beyond.